0: I am incredibly excited about this quarter, spending some time with all of you and thinking through the book of James. Uh, I think that the book of James is incredibly relevant to our time, to who we are and the things with which we struggle. Of course, it's always been relevant to every group of Christians that have ever lived, but I think especially to Christians right now that the things that James has to say about what it really means to be people of faith, what it really means to be religious, what it really means to have wisdom, how we should be living, how we should live out our faith, what our religion should really look like. This book has so many encouraging things for us to think about, but I think especially the way that James begins this book, begins this message, begins this lesson, is talking about trials. And I know that we've all experienced trials. Maybe throughout your life, maybe you feel like your life has been a series of trials, but certainly over the last couple of years, we have all experienced various kinds of trials. And I think that as we think about that word trials and what does it mean to go through a trial, what does it mean for our faith to be tested, I think it's, it's really helpful to think about trials in terms of loss. Trials are things that we lose. And maybe it's lost friendships because you grew apart or because you had a fight. And that can be a trial. Maybe it's a trial in that you've lost a job. Maybe it's a trial in that you've lost someone that you love. Maybe it's a trial in terms of losing finances and resources. Maybe it's a trial in the sense of losing your health. Maybe it's a trial in the sense of losing an opportunity. But over the last couple of years, we've all lost things, haven't we? We've lost things, some things that that we're getting back and some things maybe that we'll never get back. And James has a lot to say in the text we're going to look at tonight about trials, about loss and how we should react to trials. In fact, what James says about trials is hard and almost offensive, like I almost don't even want to talk about what he says because especially when you're in the midst of a trial, what he has to say about trials and how we should respond to trials and react to trials, it's really hard to hear. And if it's not hard to hear, then we're really not thinking about it very deeply or we're not going through a trial right now because this is incredibly hard to hear, but it's worth it. And I believe that it will change our life if we really accept what is being said through the Spirit here. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. And then he jumps right in. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, first of all, you'll notice that he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when when you meet trials. Notice he doesn't say what? If. if. He doesn't say if you meet trials. He says when you meet trials. Trials are an inevitability. It's not a matter of if you go through hard times. It's not a matter of if you lose things. It's not a matter of if, if you're going to struggle. It's going to be when. When you face trials. And he also says that there are various Trials. Different kinds of trials. And isn't that true that that not only in your own life you've gone through various trials and the things maybe that you went through when you were younger and you really thought that was a trial and you thought, I can't imagine anything in the whole world ever being harder than this. Now you've gotten to different sorts of trials and now you look back on that trial and you're like, wow, I had no idea what was coming. And that was nothing compared to what I'm going through now it's not really It's not really a matter of comparing the trials. It's just a matter of what is difficult in one moment, at one time, might be not as difficult at another moment, at another time, and for different people. What one person might see and experience as a trial and as a difficulty and as a challenge, maybe the hardest thing they've ever gone through, for you, that thing is just a Tuesday, right? That... That thing is not really so difficult. And so you look at them and you say, why are you struggling with that? Or they look at you and say, why are you struggling with that? But that's the thing about it, is that whatever you're going through, whatever you've lost, whatever hurts you, it is a trial. Your trial is just as much a trial as anybody else's trial. Your struggle, your loss, your hardship, your heartbreak is just as big and just as painful and just as difficult as anybody else's. And, and, so is theirs, right? So is theirs. Whatever it is that they're going through, whatever it is that they're struggling with, whatever is hurting them, whatever they've lost, that's just as big of a struggle as anything with which you're dealing. So we go through these various trials and we all have these different seasons of our life. But here's the hard part. He says, count it all, what? Joy. And that's hard, isn't it? And, and sometimes when we're in the middle of it, I don't want to hear that. Count it all joy. But, but notice, let's, let's let that sink in for just a second. He doesn't doesn't say this thing that you're going through is actually good. He doesn't say that. And And he doesn't say you're not allowed to mourn. And he doesn't say you're not allowed to weep. He doesn't say you're not allowed to grieve. He doesn't say you're not allowed to say this is painful and this hurts. Church, I hope that you always hear me say that scripture and the gospel itself gives voice to our lament because I think Christian what century we, we got this idea that we're not allowed to be sad or that it's bad or lacking in faith to be sad or to grieve or to lament to say this this is broken and this hurts and I don't want to go through it but but church there's plenty in scripture that says yes you can grieve you can hurt you can mourn but but there's something more here There's something more to our trials. And he says, to count it all joy. So there's more to our trials than just the pain. That's what he's going to be bringing out here, isn't it? And I think that we can acknowledge that. Sometimes it takes getting a little ways away from the trial itself before we can acknowledge that sometimes where we get a little bit of distance between us and the hurt, us and the pain, us and the loss, and we say, you know what, there was pain there, and I acknowledge the pain, and I confess the pain, and I pray about the pain, and I, 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 I grieve the pain, and I grieve the loss, but there's far more to our trials than just the pain. And James is helping us to see that if we can say that in the moment, when we encounter these various trials that we will inevitably experience this pain acknowledge that there is more to the trial than just the pain the pain is there but he says count it all joy count it or consider it joy see beyond the pain at what else is there again don't hear me say don't acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the pain, but he's trying to get us to see beyond the pain, that there's more to our trials than just the pain. Verse 3, he says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Trials are the painful process by which our faith is being, he says, tested. Our faith is being tested. And it is incredibly painful to have our faith tested. And and as we go through this process of having our faith tested by these various trials, and and a testing is to see what something is made of. What what is our faith made of? That's what a trial does. It, It tests our faith. And he says that there's something that, The testing of our faith, that that painful process of having something, what does it produce? Steadfastness. This painful process of having our faith tested produces steadfastness. When we go through these trials, James says you can focus exclusively on the pain and focus exclusively on what you've lost and focus exclusively on how bad it hurts. Or, or you can consider it joy because you know that there's more to the trial than just the pain. That the process, the painful process of having your faith tested actually results in something. It produces something. It produces steadfastness. So you can can focus exclusively on what you're losing or, or you can begin to imagine and realize what you're gaining. This is because something is being produced here. Something is resulting from this process of going through this trial and having your faith tested that on the other side of it, you are going to gain something. You're going to lose plenty. And again, that's not an if, it's a when. When we lose time and when we lose money and when we lose health and when we lose people, whatever, these various losses that we're going through. He says, but you're also gaining something because that process of having your faith tested is producing steadfastness. But steadfastness is not an end in and of itself, is it? Just now you're stronger. Now you're more steadfast. He says in verse four, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says that. Your trials, the, the losses that you're experiencing and the things that you're going through right now, if you can consider them joy because you realize and look beyond just the pain and you recognize that you're, you're losing things but you're also gaining something and what you're gaining is steadfastness. And then if you hold on and, and you practice that steadfastness and you persevere, and you keep pressing on, he says that the end result of that, the end result, the the goal of steadfastness is what? It's being perfect and complete. It's maturity, completeness. But there's the question, isn't it? There's the question for us is, is that what we want? I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just want to be comfortable, right? And a trial is anything but comfortable. That might be the very first thing that we lose in any trial, no matter how big or how small the trial is, the very first thing we lose is comfort. And sometimes we lose a whole lot more than that. And James says, you're going to go through these trials. James isn't explaining where the trials come from. I mean, Paul tells us in Romans 8 where trials come from. I mean, trials are part of this broken world in which we live. We just spent that whole month talking about coming out of and losing what we lost in Eden. Because we're not in Eden, and now because we're in this broken world in which we live, there are going to be trials. You are going to lose things. In fact everything that you can smell and taste and touch and feel and experience almost all of these things can be lost and we have a choice to make when we when we experience these losses that are inevitable To realize that, yes, there is pain, and yes, there is brokenness, and we long for the day when that pain will be taken away and every tear will be dried, but even in the meantime, we can consider it joy because we realize that there's more to our trials than just the pain, and that our, our trials and the testing of our faith is actually giving us something. It's producing in us steadfastness, and when steadfastness has its full result, it's completeness, it's Maturity. And that's what I have to wrestle with. That's what we have to wrestle with is do I want to be complete? Do I want to be mature? Or do I just want to be comfortable? The truth is, I'm just not going to be comfortable, right? There's so much in my life that I'm not going to be comfortable. None of us are going to be comfortable. So we can embrace this truth that if we're not going to be comfortable, we might as well be growing and we might as well be growing towards maturity and completeness. And it's through these trials, for people that are lacking in nothing. In fact, we can't grow into that completeness without the trials. This is where steadfastness is produced. And it's the only place where steadfastness is produced. And it's only by growing in steadfastness and steadfastness having its full result that we become complete and mature people. He says in verse five, five excuse me, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. It's almost like sometimes James like takes a, a side road for just a second and we're like, wait, I thought we were talking about trials and completeness. And... But isn't this what a trial does? Isn't this what testing does? When you give a test to a student in school, what you're looking for is where are they strong and where are they weak? Where are they lacking? What are they lacking? And that's what a test does, right? A test reveals where we are lacking. So every time we go through a trial, every time we lose something, every time we lose a job, every time we lose money, every time we lose an opportunity, every time we lose a loved one, every time we lose health, it reveals something in us that sometimes we don't want to acknowledge. And and sometimes it's wisdom. Whatever it is, and, and especially in this case, wisdom... Ask God. Ask God. What are are we trying to be? Are we trying to be complete, mature people? Then when we go through these trials and we go through this testing, and then the testing reveals in us that I lack wisdom. I'm I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not, I don't have the maturity I want to have. Then he says, Then ask. God. And he says that God gives generously without reproach. And and so much of this text is all about, one, what we're losing by trials, what the trials are taking from us, but also the the generosity of God and what God is giving to us. And he says that God gives generously without reproach. God isn't a reluctant giver. What's a reluctant giver? Uh, Well, I don't know, you know. Maybe I'll give you a, a little bit, see how you do with that. Just a little bit of wisdom, and you know, just you know, see how you do with that. Or he's not a reproachful giver; he doesn't give with reproach. You know, sometimes when people give a gift, but they kind of make you feel guilty about it. Well, I'm giving you this, but you didn't do very well with the last bit I gave you. You know, I gave you all that wisdom before, and what'd you do with that? You just squandered it all away. But here, I'll give you some more. God doesn't give like that. He gives generously and without reproach. God doesn't give reluctantly and he doesn't give reproachfully. God gives generously and without reproach. James says, ask him. He wants you to have completeness. He wants you to have maturity. He wants you to come through this moment of trial and hardship and struggle and loss better than you were before, and having more than you had before. He says in verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his... Who do we want to be? What do we want to be? Do we want to be Followers of Jesus, do we want to be complete? Do we want to be mature? Do we believe? Do we trust? Do we really have faith that he is walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death? That he's with us and he's guiding us and he's shepherding us and he's giving to us and he's blessing us and he's helping us and if we're lacking in wisdom, he's gonna give it to us. Because every trial I go to, go through, it reminds me of how lacking I am and how weak I am and how much I need to grow. How about you? And he says, when your trials reveal that to you, then ask God. And when you ask God, trust him. Believe that he really is a God who doesn't give reluctantly and he doesn't give reproachfully. He gives generously and without reproach. Believe that this is the kind of God that we serve and this is how he's going to bless you with wisdom. Verse nine, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with falls, and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. This is a really interesting thing that he says, isn't it? And this is what this is what trials do. And there's some people that are going through trials of poverty, and there are some people that are going through trials of wealth. And we're like, wait a second. It's not even a thing, Wes. So trials of wealth, there's no such thing as a trial. Yes, it is. In fact, that might even be the harder trial. And, and, And he says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Let the poor brother boast that he actually has the exalted position that the last will be first that the, the poor brother, the lowly brother, is actually the one that has the, the higher position. He's the exalted one. Because in Christ, he's been lifted up. In Christ, he's been blessed. In Christ, he's been exalted. In Christ, he's been glorified. So the lowly brother can boast in that, even in the midst of his lowliness, even in the midst of his trial of poverty. And then he says, and the rich should boast in his, what? Humiliation. In his humiliation. Why? What? Humiliation. How are the rich humiliated? Because through the eyes of faith, the rich see. and dying and perishing. It's like the grass of the field, it's like the flowers. All of it can be gone like that. The sun, one hot day, and it just melts everything and scorches everything, and all of it's going to be gone. And when we recognize that and realize that, and, and, and when we're wealthy and we have lots of stuff and most of us are in that position, there's something in the back of our mind and we know that, don't we? We know that about all of our stuff, that it can be gone in a moment, and we're terrified that it can be gone in a moment. And he says, let the, let the wealthy boast in their humiliation that all of my stuff is rubbish. It's dirt, it's dust, it's, it's nothing. And so as we go through these trials whether the trial of having nothing or the trial of having everything, but at the same time knowing that it can all be gone in a heartbeat, in the blink of an eye, the snap of a finger, all of this can be gone. And in both of those positions, there is trial, but there can also be counting it all joy. Counting it all joy because we know that this testing of our faith produces steadfastness, and eventually, as we go through these trials, we become mature. Verse 12, so he says, Blessed is the man, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. See, it's all about those two things, isn't it? It's all about, yes, your trials are taking things from you, and I don't think James is trying to be dismissive of that at all not dismissive or minimize that at all, that your trials are hard. And and it's not natural to count them all joy. It's not natural to count it joy when you lose something. It's not natural to count it joy when you encounter a trial. But he says, if you accept the wisdom from above, if you accept the gift that God generously wants to give you, then you can recognize that there's more to your trial than just the pain. And at the end of this road, if you'll be steadfast, if you'll be steadfast through this trial, if you'll keep persevering, if you'll be faithful to him, if you'll keep pressing on, then at the end of this road, there's, there are things that you can't even begin to imagine yet. He says, at the end of the road, look at all the things. Think about all the things he said through this text. At the end of this road, this road that's filled with trials and hardship and struggle and loss, at the end of this road, there is wisdom. There's completeness and wisdom. And in that last verse, there is the crown of life. All of this is at the end of that road. He says, "If if we can picture that, If we can imagine that, if we can keep that at the forefront of our minds, then even in the midst of the trial, even in the midst of the loss, again, it doesn't mean we minimize the loss. It doesn't mean we say the the loss doesn't matter. It it doesn't mean we say the, the loss doesn't hurt. It means in the midst of the loss, we also say there's more to this trial than just the pain. And at the end of this road of struggle, and at the end of this road of trial, if I will be steadfast, then there is completeness and wisdom and the crown of life. It's, it's all about trust. It's all about trust. That God is giving to us more than our trials are taking from us. It's everything he's saying in this text, isn't it? That God is giving to you more than your trials are taking from you. Now notice, it's the trials that are taking from you. It's not God who's taking from you. God isn't taking things from you. The trials are taking things from you. And it's not your trials that are giving things to you. Your trial isn't giving these things to you. Your trial doesn't give you. God gives you wisdom. God gives you the crown of life. God is giving these things to you, but he's doing it through these trials. And it's going through these trials and allowing God through these trials to give you steadfastness and to give you completeness and to give you wisdom and to give you the crown of life at the end of that road of steadfastness. And if we can acknowledge that in the moment, it's one thing to look back, and most of us probably can look back on some trials in the past, and we can say, wow, at the time... What hurt so bad, and I I couldn't see beyond the pain, I couldn't see beyond the loss. But God, even in those moments, and maybe even especially in those moments, God was giving to me more than my trials were taking from me. But it's hard to say that when we face trials of various kinds. And that's what James is trying to get us to do. Consider it all joy, count it all joy, when you face these trials, because you know this stuff, because you know that God is giving to you more than your trials are taking from you. But then there's more here, and I want to cover this as well, because we also, when we're going through this, there's, there's an opposite of being steadfast. It's falling away. Because every time we experience a trial... Every time we experience a loss, we can either be steadfast and allow that trial and through that trial to develop, produce steadfastness, or we can just say, I don't want to deal with that. I'd rather be comfortable and find some way to be comfortable. And so we medicate our discomfort with something, don't we? We medicate our discomfort with something. I know so many, I feel like I can be really real on Wednesday nights, I don't know why, but um, I have so many preacher friends that for one, one reason or another, because they were going through incredibly difficult times, they found some way to find comfort rather than seeking completeness. So many preacher friends that won't be in the pulpit anymore because they allowed those moments of trial and hardship and loss to break them and they found comfort pornography or drugs or alcohol or the arms of a woman who wasn't their wife and we all do that in big ways we have to decide Am I going to allow God to give me what he wants to give me through this? Or am I just going to find comfort in some temptation? And James is quick to say, let no one say when he's tempted. Because that's going to come. With every trial, there's going to be a temptation. When he's tempted, don't say, I'm being tempted by God. For God can't be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. We have to recognize this, this isn't God. God's not giving me this temptation to do this thing, to find comfort in this thing or that thing or the other thing. This isn't God. This is my desire. Because all through these trials, what we have to do through the trial, the only way to get through the trial is to recognize and believe with every fiber of our being that God is giving to us more than our trials are taking from us. That God is still a good God. That God gives generously and without reproach. And at the end of the road, there is a crown of life. At the end of the road, there is resurrection. That God is walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. But along the way, there's going to be moments when we we doubt what God is doing, where we blame God, or where we give in to our temptation. And James says, these temptations that you're experiencing, that drag you away and entice you, it's not from him. It's from our own evil desires. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. (laughs) We could spend all night and probably a month in just that one passage right there. Are we recognizing what James is saying? I think what James is saying is all of this other stuff, this isn't from God. What is from God is what is good. God gives good and perfect gifts. And you're going to face trials in this broken world in which we live. But God is making a new world. God is bringing new creation. And you... And I and everyone who is in Christ Jesus, we are the first fruits of his creatures. Best. Sometimes we think first fruit means best. It's not best. First fruit is exactly what it sounds like. It's the first fruit. It's when you go out to the garden and there's a, a red ripe tomato on the vine. The rest of them are still green, but there's one ripe red tomato, and it's it's already ready to pick. And it's the first of the harvest. And you pick it, and you don't say, well, I guess that's all we're getting this year, you know, oh well, you know. No, you pick it, and you say, there's more where that came from. There's more where that came from, that God is doing good things, and God is bringing about new creation, and he's begun in you, and if you are in Christ Jesus, you are already a new creation, And we have to believe this, that even though in the midst of this age in which we live that is evil and broken and full of trial and hardship and loss, that even in the midst of this broken old creation, God is still giving good gifts. And every good and perfect gift is from him. And that he gives generously and without reproach. And that when we experience these trials, we have a choice. We have a choice to give in to our desires or to count it all joy. Give us wisdom and steadfastness, completeness, and eventually the crown of life because he's already begun to work in us as the first fruits of his creation. Again, God is giving to us more than our trials are taking from us. Every one of us has, is, and will go through various trials, big ones and little ones, ones that we we now have the luxury of looking back on and ones that we might be dealing with for the rest of our lives. But in this text as much as that reality is acknowledged that we will face various trials, there's also a tremendous amount of promise that God is walking with you. See, our unbelieving friends in the world, our unbelieving neighbors, they have to go through trials as well. We all do. There is, there is no life that, that is free of trial. We all are going through trial. The difference is that we through Christ, in Christ, and in the Spirit, we have hope. And even in the midst of our trials, even through our trials, we believe that God is doing good trials are taking from us. Let's pray. Most Holy Father, our Abba, it is hard to count it joy when the loss cuts so deep. It is hard to count it joy when we can't see past the pain. Father, we need faith and we need wisdom and we need steadfastness. And Father, we ask that you continue to give us these things generously and without reproach. Father, help us to trust you that you really are working through these trials, that someday we will see you face to face, and that if we will remain steadfast because of Christ, because of your grace and your mercy and your love, Because of his sacrifice, you will crown us with the crown of life, not because of our goodness, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's of our trials. Help us to believe and trust in the gospel truth, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.